Hi, I'm Chris Harrison. And no, I'm not The Bachelor. Tonight, the journey begins again. Welcome to the Chris Harrison Power Hour. I'm Emily Heller here with my friend Laura Bradley and yeah. uh, my husband Brian Miller. Hey, it's, that's, that's gonna be my new thing now. Hey, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> my husband Fonzie. Um, it's been a week in the Bachelor franchise on the compound, uh, as we say. <laughs> Um, so first of all, we should talk about what we started talking about last week and, and has only, only gotten, the snowball has only continued to roll downhill, which is Claire and Dale. I I feel like we wrapped up the podcast last week and then just more shit hit the fan. (laughs) Like immediately, like it was very much that meme where it's like, all right, goes to bed, wakes up, can't wait to drink my coffee and look at Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I think literally maybe less than 12 hours after we recorded, um, we found out that Claire found out about um dale's breakup instagram post at the same time all of us did so that's fun Uh (laughs) uh-oh hold on we have a problem everything all right it's fine a candle just exploded but uh it's fine now what do you mean? Oh my god, which can is it because one of the goop candles just exploded? This was like on the news. <laughs> it was not a goop candle, it was a boy smells candle. Um, but it's fine now. We can probably keep going. <laughs> what do you mean exploded? I mean it shattered. All right. <laughs> that really did just happen with goop candles. It was news. It did, yeah. yeah. Um, so I this one is not as funny. Because it doesn't smell like Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina. No, it's just boy smells. Boy smells everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, Claire and Dale's relationship exploded like my candle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was, yeah, it really did. It's, it's, it's painful to watch. What, what happened exactly? Give me a reminder of the whole saga in brief. Well, Um, he, he put out a statement on Instagram saying basically that they had mutually decided to break up and that this was what was healthy and blah, blah, blah. And then almost immediately after that, we get Claire talking to, I think E news essentially saying, or a source connected to Claire telling E news that this decision basically to put out a statement was completely a surprise to her. She thought it was more of a, we are on a break. <laughs> rather than a break up right and this it, is this is claire who is a bachelorette very briefly uh right. and she briefly because she left the show because she's like i picked dale 
she he he came out of the limo and she said that's my husband and she blew up the the show so that she could just be with him and it turned out that was a poor decision because the more we learn about dale the more he seems like a trash man and is there something to i listening to your gut is generally a good thing that's that's considered a thing you should do. Does Claire maybe need to do that a little less? Yeah. I, think I mean... <laughs> she does not seem to have much luck here. At least within the compound, I think less listening to her gut, perhaps, would have served her well. Although, then again, like... It's kind of like, you know, we've said this season, googly eyes and vibes. Like, if she didn't have that with any of the other people, you also can't really manufacture it. So maybe it was just really there with Dale. And once you see it with one person, she just couldn't see it with any. I don't know. I just know that it is beyond mortifying to imagine finding out that somebody had put out that, like, the statement that he did without telling. And then the other crazy thing is that I think I'd seen... He was on Twitter and other social media, literally just tweeting things like, what's up, guys? What are you up to today? And it's like, Uh, what? Boy, oh, boy. Great. Cool. (laughs) Oh, Dale. Claire should probably stay away from this franchise moving forward. I don't think it's working for her. Barring an appearance on Listen to Your Heart, I think every <laughs> single layer of the compound has failed her at this point. Or, Guys, yeah. trust or- the process. <laughs> trust uh, the process. Really segueing into the theme of this week's episode <laughs> of The Bachelor. Well, yeah. Okay, before we get into that, we should talk about um, the other news that is pertinent to this season, which is that um, Victoria, who is far and away the villain of this season, um, it was it it came out in the news this week that I think in like 2012 she was arrested for um, shoplifting from a Publix. And Laura, you have you have a connection to the story. <laughs> Well, okay. So really, the only connection I have is that apparently Victoria was at Florida State University at the same time I was. Amazing. Uh, An incredible factoid that I didn't realize she was there. Laura Uh, Bradley was best friends with Victoria. (laughs) If there's one thing you should take away from this podcast, it's that everything related to The Bachelor is on the compound. And also, Victoria is my best friend. (laughs) (laughs) But no, so she was there, I think, 2010 to 2012 uh, or to 2013, thereabouts. And apparently, yes, was allegedly arrested for, I guess, stealing something like hundreds of dollars worth of merchandise from a grocery store. And as someone who went to Florida State and lived in (laughs) Tallahassee, all I can say is that this is pure conjecture but my mind immediately goes to the Publix near campus, which is called Club Pub. <laughs> because there is a liquor store attached to it. And I almost like part of me wonders whether like this stuff was coming from the liquor store that is like attached to the Publix and technically part of the Publix. 
but would actually be a lot easier to like steal $200 worth of stuff. I can imagine if it's like liquor bottles, like this is all <laughs> just coming from me sitting there like galaxy braining, trying to figure out how you get $200 worth of stuff out of like out of a Publix in one bag, which is yeah. supposedly like she had it all stashed in a bag, like on the front compartment. So this is all, this should all be couched in like 20,000 allegedly's. And also this is mostly just my brain, like imagining, <laughs> but I just feel like it had to be club pub. Uh, and I did immediately set about trying to figure out if I could find out anything else just about what this woman was up to when she was apparently at the same school as me. But sadly, I could find out nothing except that I, from what I have been able to gather from my quote unquote sources, <laughs> there is no proof that she was ever involved in Greek life. Wow. But I like, I have no idea. I have no idea what she was up to. It will forever remain a mystery what my college best friend Victoria Larson was up to <laughs> when we were totally best friends in college together. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a, I, I will say she, she did seem to have a pretty good sense of humor about it. It was, she had an interview with, it might've also been E where she basically said, yeah, I, I'm relieved it's out. Now my future husband can Google me. <laughs> <laughs> spoiler. I mean, spoiler. <laughs> I mean, sure, I guess. <laughs> you know, I, there's not much else I could expect. Like, what else can we expect someone to say about it? I guess I, I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will say, I, I will say on this podcast in high school, I shoplifted from Target once. <gasps> Emily, I, I was not arrested, thankfully. Emily. But I did shoplift a necklace from Target. The Statue of Limitations is up, I assume. Don't <laughs> don't don't come after me for that whatever it is, $12 necklace that I stole. Emily's from missing next week. You know what happened. <laughs> I never shoplifted. I I was always a, a very aggressive rule follower. <laughs> Uh, I, when I was very young, definitely stole like a fake beeper from a Walgreens and was so racked with guilt that I definitely left a $20 bill like on the counter later, like without <laughs> telling anyone that I was leaving it there. That's just like, imagine a 12 year old just like clandestinely slipping a 20 onto the counter with no explanation. <laughs> so inventory was still off. <laughs> yes. And Granted, probably the 20 just went into whoever found it's pot. Like, you know, it just, <laughs> but this was like 12 year old Laura's like, okay, I've disrupted the moral universe. How do I make this? Right? <laughs> $20 near the register ought to do the trick. There you go. Hey, sounds good to me. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of Queen Victoria, that we can probably start talking about this episode, which begins with a essentially a showdown between Victoria, who is our clear villain, and Katie, who is quickly becoming a fan favorite. Um, so basically, the girls are sitting around talking about Sarah leaving, and <laughs> Victoria makes a comment that the trash took itself out, and she was very <laughs> proud of oh. that one-liner. Oh. And Katie, no, who is currently the only person in the house who knows that Sarah's dad is dying was like hey stop <laughs> and Victoria did not like that Victoria does not strike me as someone uh and I I think 
our first episode of this show was the most charitable anyone has been to Victoria. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's getting harder and harder to uh, uh, even even stick with that sentiment. Um, she strikes me as someone who has not faced a lot of consequences in her life. <laughs> she is just so vindictive but aimlessly vindictive yeah so cruel but like for why it's right excuse me it seems to be just for fun for her like she thinks she's being funny i think i you know i uh i do think that but i think it's like just for her and maybe a couple of allies to make them laugh uh and then i think I think that she thinks she's or she's being funny is enough for her to fall back on when it goes wrong. Oh yes, uh, that is not a that is not a justification for her actions. That is more it doesn't make sense otherwise. Right. Well, and um, you do see a lot of her sort of laughing at her own jokes, like whatever she gets <laughs> yes. digs in. You can like really see how happy she is with whatever she just said. It is very evident. I and I, more my my point uh, before was I think I think she does think it's funny, but I think that funniness is coming from a very cruel place. Sure. Yeah, it's dark. I mean, I I kind of get the sense from her that she's just pushing buttons to look for a reaction. And I kind of got that sense later when she pulls Katie aside um, and basically asks Katie to apologize for telling her to cool it. And Katie, to her credit, was like, I'm not going to do that. I loved just the calmness but firmness with which Katie said, that's not going to happen. You're not going to get an apology from me. Like, no, she would not engage with the hostility, but she absolutely also was just like, no. <laughs> it, Katie reads as above it. Mm-hmm. And, like, she navigates that very well. It, it really, it's like Victoria just keeps hurling fireballs at her and she's just kind of effortlessly just got the shield up and is like, you, you, you want to wear yourself out? So yeah. in that uh, interaction, Victoria looks ridiculous and Katie looks pretty calm and collected and it the play did not work, Victoria. Well, what's interesting, though, is that so many of Victoria's plays have landed and have continued to land this season. But what you notice is that it's she is very good at just in general. Her thing is she stirs the pot. Right. Mm. And so when she has other players in the pot who she can stir into this sort of like vindictive place where she is, I feel like there's this sort of effect that happens where you have multiple people kind of backing her up. But then when you get her alone one-on-one, I mean, even with Marilyn, which Matt didn't get to see, but we did, she looked patently ridiculous for the same reason. Marilyn was pretty calm throughout it. Mm-hmm. And right. so it's just interesting to watch sort of as this season progresses, how much influence she can wield over a situation when it's a group scenario and she can kind of play to a lot of people's worst instincts. Versus when she's one-on-one with somebody and trying to command that same sort of, like, intimidating energy. And I, n- I don't think it ever quite works one-on-one. Man, that is a fantastic insight. 
there we go. Boom. This is why I'm the daughter of a psychologist. This oh my is gosh, what it was too. all for. This is what it was all for, you guys. Uh, my mom is also a psychologist. Hey. <laughs> That's why I'm I'm so well adjusted, totally. This is why we're so obsessed with the psychologies of the people on The Bachelor. <laughs> but no, in, I think, the, in this oops, all villains season. Well, oh yeah, Laura, I think that's I think that's a very good insight, and I think that kind of it, it, to both of your points, there seems to be a lot of like mean girl energy in the house. Yes. Um, which I I don't know if that was a casting choice or a result of them literally not being able to go anywhere else is that bringing that out of them. Uh, but I think that's a good way into sort of the next beat of this episode, which is um, they're having a, a cocktail party and uh, Chris Harrison pulls Matt aside while he's talking to Victoria. So already giving Victoria mm-hmm. ammo. And you know that was on purpose. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but Chris Harrison pulls Matt aside and takes him outside and says, um, <laughs> which, sure. Um, was like, we had a record number of women want to come date you, blah, blah, blah. And we said no to none of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So here are five more women that have been waiting for you in a hotel room for four weeks. (laughs) Meet them now. This is so wild, Yuka. Can we just pause to even just acknowledge how wild the way all of this was revealed and unfolded? I just have so many questions. (laughs) Yes! To, to like, the fundamental core of the production of this show, I have so many fucking questions. So my initial thought is, okay, you're trying to just mix up something because we're, by necessity, stuck in this one location for the entire season. There's no way to break it up. Like, normally at this point, we would be going to... Ohio, because Ohio paid us to come. Right. right. So instead, they just have these five women waiting in the wings with the, because that is the thing that's this Matt initially describes as, as a surprise, although he later says he's grateful to them for waiting so long, which if it was a surprise, how would you know that they've been waiting? But also by the structure of the season, we know that they had to have planned this because these women have to be bubbled and quarantined and tested for the set number of weeks. Which means they, and um, what one of them says later uh, leads me, she says something of like, oh, and then then there was another week in the hotel. Right. Which means there was a pool of them. And then who was going in first was decided probably up to the minute. That's interesting. That's (laughs) that's how they do it on Paradise. They they have a pool and they send people in kind of, they they don't have a planned schedule. They send people in who they think are going to stir up drama. Right. Well, it worked. It it worked. It really worked. There was a lot of drama. (laughs) First person, the first new woman is Brittany. And she comes out and says, hi, I want to make up for lost time and immediately makes out with him. <laughs> okay. Uh, that wasn't pop- it wasn't popular. I'm shocked that that didn't get her points in the house. Yeah. So there's, there is a t- cruel but funny shot of the women, a, a group of women watching from the window as she comes up and makes out with him. Um, 
then there's let's see there's Brittany, there's michelle who is a teacher from minnesota she gets a one-on-one later um there is kim who does not make it past the rose ceremony but she was wearing a truly wild dress that i have to applaud her for the boldness yeah that's the yeah that is the boldest dress i've ever seen on this franchise and that is including the woman who walked up in her lingerie imagine so kim doesn't make it and like doesn't make much of an impression in the episode imagine being kim you have two weeks of quarantine in the hotel an additional week on your own uh while you wait to get sent in you get sent home and the bachelor basically gives you the equivalent of nah. <laughs> listen I've been dying for any excuse to dress up in quarantine. It could be worse. It could be worse. That's fair, but oh man, no, that's, yeah, that's it's, it's it's excruciating. You probably don't feel very good about yourself. No, and that's the thing. It's that oh. like throughout, as these women arrive there's this anger toward them right of like oh my god they're all gonna get roses like they're taking but it's like can you okay i get it but also like if matt hasn't talked to you already there's like not to be rude but at this point if he still hasn't made the time there's probably a reason for it whereas it does suck worse to have just gotten there and then sent home because he already knows all these people (laughs) yeah and and that's the thing the sort of the immediate vitriol that most of these women are are sending to these new arrivals is i mean it's rough they're talking about how it's unfair it's disrespectful to them and they're they're pointing all that anger towards these new women and it's sort of like this is the show like calling none them, of this is fair. Calling them entitled at one point, I could not. She's like, so entitled. She feels entitled to that time. I'm like, so do you. Like, what does that even mean? Uh, yeah, the amount of entitlement coming to people who have or coming from the people who have been in the house a little longer. <laughs> I've been here three weeks, and therefore that is the equivalent of peeing all over him. You can't come near him. <laughs> Emily and I were also theorizing they haven't been there for weeks, right? Like, there is definitely, like, a shooting week that is probably four days, right? It could have been weeks by now, but I mean, I will say that sort of as funny as all of this is, it also does harken back to, I think, the conversation we had in week one where we were talking about, you know, when people get sent home and they're crying on this show. They're not crying over the stupid guy. They're crying over the stressful situation. And similarly here, I will say the production of this episode, not only the question of sort of what, how the arrival of these women had been planned, but also just in general, the amount that is unseen in Mm. this week's episode, the amount of material we cover, the number of dates we go on while barely seeing any of them. Like there's just so many questions. And I do have to say that it seems like these women, particularly the one who several weeks in still have really not had a one-on-one conversation at all. I do see where they're coming from only in the sense of it does seem very clear that the entire production of this season has been built in part to sort of ratchet up these petty tensions. Yes. 
in a way that I find off-putting just because this is the exact kind of drama that I don't find that interesting. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, so... I always feel like the early Bachelor season is always a little rough. Yes. It doesn't get interesting till we get down to like uh, five, four, then three. And all of the conflicts are romantic in nature. Right. Because um, I would say it's probably about, like, I would say it's probably five per six contestants per season that the main, that our Bachelor or Bachelorette actually has genuine interest in. So before you whittle it down to those people, it feels a little less meaningful to me. Right. So I, I, I and you're right, they've ratcheted up these kind of pettier conflicts in the show, resulting in some new storylines that we haven't seen uh, on the show before. Storyline types, if you will. But I'm getting worried that by the time we get down to four, I'm not going to like any of these people. <laughs> I... <laughs> Emily, go ahead. Yeah, I just feel like it. it feels like we're in a social experiment, which I guess you could say this entire franchise is, but this season seems to be especially focused on creating this survivor style us versus them mentality in these women. And it it's very survivor merge. They're style. calling themselves like the varsity squad and the OGs who I love when Anna's like the OGs, <laughs> the original group. I'm like, ma'am. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> ma'am, no. Anna. Anna. Uh, Anna. So so speaking of Anna, Anna is the one who brings up probably the grossest aspect in this episode, which is she very smugly tells um some of the other women that she thinks she knows of Brittany. They're both from Chicago and that she has been getting messages from people, which how they take your phone. How? <laughs> Anna? How? Um that uh she says at one point um she's sketchy and all I know about her is she fucking sucks. Um, but then she goes on to say um, there are rumors that she is an escort, basically having and sex they've been, with and they've men. been hitting this a couple of times. Yes, basically she is. She she is. It says something like she hangs out with all of the high rollers in Chicago. Transactional relationships with wealthy men, wealthy men for money, something like that. Something like that. And it's just, it fucking sucks. Yep. yep. It fucking sucks. I mean, <sighs> it's also weird. Before we jump into it, I do want to note one weird thing about this, which is that as she's talking about it later, Brittany says that two people in the house knew her from Chicago and had been spreading these rumors. And I had read on Reality Steve like earlier while I was trying to figure out what was going on with this, that Kaylee, who was the other, Kim and Kaylee were the two who went home this week. Supposedly Kaylee had also known something and talked about it according to this Reality Steve post, but then I'm not seeing anything about that on the show but she does Brittany does say that two people were talking about her mm. which i thought was interesting because again just given the amount that i feel like we didn't see i'm still confused and feel like maybe kaylee was the one who actually knew something and brought it up and maybe anna was going more off of what she said 
But the way Anna brought it up, like you mentioned, Emily, it was super strange. It was very weird, and it was it it felt it felt gleeful the way that she was yes. bringing it up. Um, I really it it really was ugly. I did I really hated this because I mean uh, let's just put it out there. Like either way doesn't matter. <laughs> like who right, fucking right. cares? Who cares? Right. Like oh my god, it's 2021. Go outside. Like <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um it's yeah. yeah, to to and I don't I don't want to dwell on this too much because it fucking sucks. And we should wanna... say we should say that it shouldn't matter regardless, but to clarify, Brittany said that she is not and has at never point been an escort right. again. Not that this should matter to anyone, but um that is what she says. But it is, it's, you're right. It was very vindictive the way Anna presented it and sort of acted like this should be the thing that automatically sinks her. And she literally uses the words, I want to, she said something to the effect of she wants to say, yo girl, I know some dirt on you. Don't mess with me, please. And I was like, this is the weirdest yeah. combination of words. And again, I I don't know if there is just stuff that we didn't see, but a couple people, Anna included, I think also MJ, say something about how these new women came in and immediately like started fighting with them. And it's possible we didn't see something, but what I saw is they came in and were immediately in a hostile environment. It was chilly. (laughs) Brittany came in and seemed to be making a like a joke of Victoria said something about like well why did they bring you in like Brittany says like oh they just wanted to save the best for last right and Victoria was just like I don't think that's it (laughs) okay It, it did feel throughout the episode as though Brittany other than probably Katie I mean not that this is a competition to come off the best but I feel like (laughs) was one of the few people in this episode who I was like yeah you're acting like how I would uh, I would expect like a typical human to behave this is how I would respond to this set of things happening right, <laughs> right. Like, what so what we saw happen was Brittany come in immediately be yelled at uh Catalina was one of the other new arrivals she was Miss Puerto Rico Miss Universe Puerto Rico I think Oh, a producer told her to play that up. Um, I felt so bad for her, man. Like, it's, it's, you know, on night one, you can get away with it. But to come in weeks in, in your costume, like, that was. And then Victoria just, like, pulls the tiara off her she head. straight up set up and sent into a fucking den of tigers. They really set that They slathered up. her in fucking meat. Right, yeah, so she, she comes in she comes in with her crown and her sash and Victoria set, calls her over to her and says um, I'm Victoria, like the queen so I think I should wear that crown and Catalina is just kind of like haha, okay, and then Victoria literally reaches up and takes the crown off her head and puts it onto her and it's every everything with Victoria with this queen thing is uh, she says something related to I'm Victoria, I am the queen. The response is usually something along the lines of, haha, okay. And then Victoria like dead eyes, no, I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. 
I won't let this bit go. This bit is going to outlive us all. <laughs> my God. Emily, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. No, my my point was just if that was w- truly what happened, we didn't and there wasn't more aggression from the new women that we didn't see. And then the the OG, as, <laughs> as Anna wants to call them are saying that they came in fighting. It's like, mm, mm. that's not what we saw. I can't, can we talk about the fact that, well, first of all, Ben Higgins returned for the group date uh, that involved a relay race with giant hollowed out pumpkins <laughs> and squirrel costumes. Can we just point out that we never get to see the ending of the most like petty drama of the week, which is Anna hiding Britney's like nut in the relay race so Britney's just digging through this hay trying to find or was it the acorn she's trying to find her acorn and she can't find it because Anna hit it where where did Anna hide yeah, it she's like, why are we not following this <laughs> Wait, right I'm like this is so much more interesting and less cringe than all of these mean girls like mean girl circles like give me more of this I want to see where the nut was hidden <laughs> Yes, I want more of the silly. So, yeah, the the date that we go on, the the first group date, Ben Higgins shows up. We are our king Ben Higgins. We love Ben Higgins. We do. I mean, he shows up in every element of this franchise. So, it wasn't a surprise that he was there, but it's always a delight. I love it when he shows up and he does his version of the obviously I'm Nick Lachey. He's like, <laughs> it's been a while, but I, you might know I was the bachelor. <laughs> um, Ben Higgins says that he planned the state, which is a lie, but that's okay. It's believable enough. I'll, take it. <laughs> I'll accept that lie. Um, yeah, so they they have this they have this relay race type thing. They have to wear squirrel costumes. It's funny, I guess. Um, they're a bad survivor bit. <laughs> there's a there's a fun moment where Mari they have to kayak in these like hollowed out pumpkin boats. Um, and she fully gets stuck in the lake, and that's fine. Maggie. It was Maggie. She gets Maggie, stuck paddling, right. paddling in circles. I felt so bad for her because that absolutely would have been me. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, that was very cute. Um, yeah. So, so this is this is the this is the group date um, where a couple of the new women are on, and again, some of the women have a problem with it. You know. <sighs> I don't want to talk about that anymore. (laughs) It just sucks. Um, The last thing I will say about that is in this group date, um, I don't know what happened here when Matt hands out the the group date, Rose. Uh, Because Matt has been doing this thing, which I don't think we've seen much of before, where when he hands out the group date, Rose, he basically says something about one or two of the women yes. who he's not giving a rose to. Yes. And it sort of feels like I get what you're doing. You feel bad that you can only give it to one, but you are getting these women's hopes up when you just, specifically mention them. 
it keeps making me think of what it would be like if at the end of every season of America's Next Top Model, Tyra Banks had held the two photos up and then called a girl that was standing off to the side in the crowd every single time. <laughs> I only have one photo in my hands, but it's actually this girl over here. <laughs> like, it's so deranged. You can't do that to these poor people. And then also, what if you're one of the women who's there that he doesn't say anything about at all? Well, he just doesn't like you. <laughs> he clearly really does not like you. So I I understand. I think it is a nice impulse, but man, it is poorly executed, Matthew. Man, is it making the people in the bottom know they're in the bottom. <laughs> Um, yeah, so after this group date, um, Michelle, who is one of the new arrivals, has a one-on-one. Um, this is, we get another lie. <laughs> they are told that this date was planned by Chris Harrison. Sure. Which, here's what, there, the Bachelor sticks to this fiction that the Bachelor plans and, like, organizes the one-on-ones. Uh, so they only mentioned, oh, Chris Harrison took over this week just because it wouldn't make sense for The Bachelor to plan a scavenger hunt. <laughs> They're like, for no him. one would plan this hell for themselves. It's got to be someone else. But no one, no one like thinks The Bachelor plans the dates, right? No one thinks that. The same number of people think The Bachelor planned the dates as think that he writes the date cards. That would be my... <laughs> Which, what is that? What is that Venn diagram of people who watch The Bachelor and people who think The Bachelor has any agency here? <laughs> God, I hope there's not a lot of overlap. I hope not. Uh, uh, the one-on-one date, I mean, not to harken back to our first episode again, but y'all mentioned googly eyes and vibes. That was some googly eyes and yes. vibes. They what would her name again? Michelle. Michelle. I like Michelle. I like Michelle. There was a very funny moment where they had to do... So the whole date was a scavenger hunt. There was at one point where they're popping balloons and there are questions inside. (laughs) And one of the questions is, how many kids do you want to have? And they're like, okay, we'll say it on three. And they say one, two, three, and they both say three. And she freaks the fuck out. (laughs) A little like, okay, it's not... You're both seem to be like kind of traditional family values people and that's that's kind of an average (laughs) well like the range in the number of kids that like a person anywhere close to the median is gonna want like there's not a whole lot of space you know what i mean you're You're probably not gonna get much higher than three or four max like right you're not you're not gonna say one you're not going to say five, probably. So, I mean, yeah, no, but it, 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 you're right. The, the reaction was, I, I would the, love to feel that amount of glee about anything. It was charming, but it was wheel, really like, okay, calm down. The giant wheel of fortune thing that they spun, three <laughs> was the biggest area to land on. <laughs> and she's very excited over the thing it was probably going to land on. <laughs> You know what? Embrace joy in these times. You're right. You're very absolutely good. right. It's a very good point. Anyway, they had a nice date. This this season in particular and this franchise broadly doesn't seem to care that much about good dates. So it, it's mostly boring and we don't spend a lot of time on it. They had dinner that they didn't eat in a car dealership. What was that? Yeah. A showroom of some kind? Look, there's 
very limited options for that. I don't <laughs> I know. I felt like I was, I felt like I was in some sort of unhinged dream. Like I looked up and they were dining amongst cars and I was like, is this a thing that restaurants had before when we were allowed to go to restaurants for their cars and all the restaurants? This resort just has a car room. The car diners. I was like, is this something that I'm I'll have what the car is having. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, no, I just, I, that really tripped me out. I just looked up, looked down and looked up and we were in a different place. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Matt seems to like Michelle a lot. Michelle seems to like Matt a lot. There are, there are googly eyes and vibes there. And Uh, the show doesn't care. (laughs) No, and then we had the boxing challenge is that what came next the next the next group date is they uh the the group date card says something like are you ready to fight for love or something like that and and notably this is a group of only ogs i can't believe this is the (laughs) this is the term i'm forced to use um but there are no new arrivals on this date um, which feels like a move to let them be to let them make tons of catty comments about how they are disappointed that there are no new arrivals because they want to punch them in the face. There were a lot of comments about wanting to punch these women in the face. A lot. Multiple, multiple women said, "Thank God they're not here." And they brought back like ba- the compounds most little like soft marshmallow wells adams just like the sweetest marshmallow (laughs) to like host this challenge and can i just say at this point if you're ever on the bachelor or the bachelorette and you're asked are you ready to fight for love or whatever you have got to just stand up and say no thank you like no no not anymore i don't trust y'all with this verbiage no okay so so speaking of wells when they when Chris Harrison and Wells start to do their little commentary thing, Chris Harrison mentions that Wells is a Mai Tai expert. Is that, was he making a joke or does Wells do Mai Tai? Isn't that a drink? Are you, are you talking about Muay Thai? Yes. I, I do not know. Muay Thai. You're right. Mai Tai is a drink. Muay Thai. That's a... <laughs> I, my head just went to, I mean, he, he was the bartender on Paradise. I like, what? I just thought it's because he, he, he makes the drinks. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Does he make my pies? Yeah, maybe. I don't know him. Maybe that was the joke that Chris Harrison was making. Either way, it went over my head. <laughs> Whatever the like, joke was, it head. went over my head. I didn't say I was smart. <laughs> I, I don't think any of us said that at the beginning of this. I certainly didn't say that. Yeah, let's let's throw that presumption for all three of us just out the window. Um, um, the point of this date is that eventually we have these women punching at each other with yes. alarming vigor, and eventually we get to Serena P getting really hit hard in the nose, uh, I believe, by Lauren. It didn't seem intentional or vindictive. It wasn't framed as such, but... Serena P did seem, you know, hurt. Uh, They had to stop the, they had to stop the activity. Right. They had to stop the activity because Serena was hurt. Uh, And, you know, Matt gave a speech about how impressed he was that these women put their skills on the line or whatever. And I'm like, what is that even lady got a woman got punched in the face. Like, (laughs) Yeah. I will say this is the most 
sort of aggressive version of this activity that they've done. They've done like the Q-tip wrestling. They've done like wrestling wrestling, like, right. like WWE style wrestling. I don't think they've ever had a group date where they had to punch each other in the face before. And I mean, granted, they had a lot of protective gear, but clearly not enough if you've got somebody whose nose got hurt. And also just like, I don't know. I just, I don't love the conflation of like, quote unquote, emotional battles and physical anything. Like, it just feels really gross and like we don't need to do it yeah it was a little even katie was like yeah i i could use i could stand to get some energy out and it's like okay do do that if you're truly boxing like do it on a hanging bag like these right these women have had at most an hour of training to get ready for punching each other in the face like i don't care how much padding they have on like someone yeah. got punched in the throat. <laughs> yeah, it didn't seem like a fun date. It was a bad idea. No. They should not have done it. this. Yeah, that's true. Um, but that moves on to the one-on-one -on -one and one of my fa new favorite <laughs> Matt James quotes. Uh, you know, what I really enjoy about these group dates are uh the or sorry, not the one-on-one, -on -one, the uh the cocktail party afterwards. Yeah, Matt, you like where you get to make out with them later? <laughs> Did say that's something that's like, your favorite part where they all fight over a chance to make out with you. Uh, wow. You know, a real sensitive guy. <laughs> uh, he really does have my favorite bachelor quality of just saying things at a certain pace. But then when you really listen to what they're saying, you realize how utterly meaningless all of it is. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just very good at the bachelor speak uh in a way that i find really enjoyable it is yes. it is fun especially since he has not been on the show before and is certainly uh i mean he's certainly being coached but he's just been in intensive training with tyler c's and getting him <laughs> up to date he's like all right you got to talk about walls you got to talk about progressing relationships <laughs> at a certain point and this sort of gets back to the conversation we were having last week about the weird sort of church language yeah um I, I wrote down this quote it was i want to challenge everyone to be vulnerable and trust the process yeah mm. <laughs> mm. telling people especially people who are in a let's say unequal power relationship with you right Yes. I want to challenge you to be vulnerable and respect the process. It sounds like a fucking cult, which I guess <laughs> is fair to say. We are on a compound. We are <laughs> in a cult. Compound. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like, we're in a compound where all the rules of the process, my dude, are <laughs> they're all designed for you. They're designed for your journey. If I was one of these women, I wouldn't trust the process to protect me. It's not built for me. It's built <laughs> no. for, if anyone is built for the TV watching audience and then secondarily Matt James, but certainly not for you. No, you're just little pieces in the puppet show. Right. That's why that's why it sounds so process. it sounds that's why that's part of why it sounds so patently ridiculous when they're talking about how these new women coming in is disrespectful to them and it's like what part of this show did you think was respectful to you 
Yes. If there's one thing that everybody said about The Bachelor when it came out in 2002, it was, you know, this show strikes me as deeply respectful. (laughs) (laughs) Just really (laughs) beholden to the tenets of humanity. (laughs) Anyway, Uh, at this cocktail party, after these women have spent, you know, a good chunk of time beating each other up. This is when we really get into some of the more catty sort of us versus them language. Because, um, again, it's it's just original group, uh, as Anna says. Um, and they're, they're not being – they keep saying stuff like, I'm only going to say this in this room. And it's like, girl, you have a camera on you right now. Right. In this room equals in front of everyone. Right. Which you can lose sight of that. Uh, I have been in uh, situations where a documentary was being filmed uh, of my workplace and I have straight up forgotten they were there. Yeah, no, that is very true. I get that's possible. Granted, you have to get a mic on every day. I wasn't mic'd, so like... It didn't matter, but uh, I could see that happening. Yeah, a little bit. that's true. That is very true. I can, especially if you're days, question mark, weeks, question mark in, into this process. Right, right. <laughs> but, but really, they're saying things like these women are ignorant. They are like they came out fighting all of this sort of stuff. And. This this is the moment where Katie th- is visibly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um and you know I I think it is really uncomfortable to be in that sort of situation. It's it's certainly I I think Katie specifically brings up that it is like a mob mentality where they're sort of egging each other on. They're laughing. They're laughing at what each other are saying. Like that's that's sort of where Victoria gets her power from. But it's also kind of empowering the rest of them to say these really mean things. Um, and that's when Katie gets up and goes out to um, to talk to Matt. Yes, good move on her part. I think. I, th- I also think. Think. I think yes. I think under cert- I think she handled it in the very best way she possibly could. Um, right. And it also didn't feel I it genuinely felt like something that A uh needed to be done and that she wasn't doing to look good or to get time with him. It felt like something she was doing cuz it felt like the right thing to do. Yeah, and I think it's also I think Brian you brought this up while we were watching. It's possible that she di- I mean she obviously knew there was a camera following her, but this wasn't sort of in one of the pre-designated filmed segments. So it's possible that she thought this might not even be on TV. Um, cause when she walks out to talk to Matt, he is clearly talking to like a group of producers. Yeah. Um, so he's, I think done filming for the evening. Yeah, it does appear that way. And also, I mean, just the way that she brought it up to your point, both of your points is she doesn't mention anybody else by name, which I think is always a key. You know, she didn't say like, oh, Victoria and MJ or Victoria and whoever are saying all these things. She just spoke to 
the general toxicity in the house, which we've discussed how meaningless that word has become in <laughs> the franchise, but it is. This house has become toxic. Katie used it correctly. Katie this used is it correct. correct. So, Look, know, we stand Katie. <laughs> yeah, clearly we stand Katie, but I mean, it just, it felt as though she was sincerely addressing, earnestly addressing something she was genuinely concerned about rather than, like you said, trying to get time with him, trying to get favor with him, trying to make somebody else look bad in his eyes, which she could have, but she did like right. that's really it she had to, to use anna's word she had dirt but she didn't use it or threaten to use it right yeah she I, just said what she thought needed to be said i've i think i said last week like the way that Han katie is handling this is very classy like she like you said she didn't bring up like oh anna and mj are starting drama she didn't even say like they're saying that britney was an escort she just said they are saying things that could potentially ruin people's lives which i mean the fact that being a sex worker could ruin your life is a whole other thing that should not be a thing but it is in this stupid ass society but well and again the way she brings that up again indicated to me that she's not interested in getting into the detail or mucking right. around in the gossip she's literally just saying i'm concerned about what could happen which i completely agree it's bullshit that it can but it can and this is a thing to be concerned about right so i think comparing that to Victoria coming to him and tattling on Marilyn for something that may or may not have happened are are very stark um, differences in in how they are handled and in conclusion, Stan Katie. <laughs> Stan Katie although even with this like I just I do really with this season in particular feel like there is just so much to all of this we're not seeing because I also even the way Katie framed all of this it sounded like there's even more that we didn't see or at least that it persisted longer or more pervasively than we necessarily saw right yeah, I don't know I, I think this is like again this word <laughs> has no meaning in in the context of what we're doing here, but this does seem to be an especially toxic season. It's, and it's real bad. Like while we can blame that on individual people in the house, I think the ultimate responsibility is on the producers and the and the people who cast one, the people who cast the show, and two, the people who are everyday coaching these women um whether knowingly or whether they know they're being coached or not they are right it's gross i don't like it pretty bad yeah pretty i mean bad. it's not it's not ideal <laughs> and i think i i think again as as we've been saying before the editing of this season in particular feels like there is a lot we're not seeing and the editing feels more manipulative than usual. Yeah. Like which, uh, sorry, go ahead. Well, just even the promos for next week has these very mean girl edits of um, MJ and Anna getting ready for what I assume is the rose ceremony. And it's like, yeah, no, we get it. Yeah, they're really getting a harsh edit. It's to the point where I wonder sort of how accurate versus uncharitable it is. Yeah. Uh, it's really, I mean, given all we were saying about sort of the way that Victoria was framed coming into this, uh, Anna and MJ are also, I would say, 
getting a pretty harsh edit or just provided a lot of harsh material, you know, take your pick. But... Right. And it's it's always probably a blend of both. Like, right. Every, everything, everything they've done on the show so far is problematic. Mm -hmm. uh, how much of that is diluted by exactly. normal personhood. Exactly. Um, right. And like, so we're seeing a very distilled version of it, but the distilled version doesn't look good. Does not look Don't good. Don't look good. Yeah. Yeah. And sort of what we, what we've brought up before is the first, I don't know, half of this show is always way more focused on this kind of bullshit drama that I don't like as much as I like the the nice people getting hurt <laughs> later on. Oh, I, want to see someone, I want to see someone nice get their heart broken. Oh, God, when you frame it that way. I mean, that's where. But that's that's what I, I mentioned earlier, romantic conflict. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's what I want from the show. Right. That's what I'm interested in the show. I want to see googly eyes and vibes and people getting crushed. <laughs> oh, no. It's just when you put it that way, you really make me realize what I'm watching this for. <laughs> yeah, baby. <sighs> but, you know, they all end up with happy endings on Paradise, and it's usually fine. <laughs> Get on bip. They're, or you get or you get engaged twice. They get they get lots of Instagram sponsorship deals. They're fine. <laughs> but yeah, I think just in conclusion, I don't know if it's because we are stuck in one location for the entire season. I don't know if it's because Matt James is new at this. And I will say pretty bad at some aspects of it pretty good at some aspects of it like i do genuinely think he's a good listener and is trying to reassure these women as much as he can um he seems to be very bad at reading what's happening <laughs> i would say his performance as a bachelor is very middle of the road which given his very like non-existent experience in this space like i think he's doing really well all things considered yeah, I agree. I That's how I, I would rank it. Yeah, he's he's no Ben Higgins, but he is. <laughs> no one is Ben Higgins, Emily. Yeah. That's... No one will ever be Ben Higgins. I wish everyone was Ben Higgins. <laughs> um, no, but, but a thought that I had about that is this casting Matt James, someone who has not been on the show before and who seems to be like pretty even-tempered, seems to be more of an early season of The Bachelor when it was just we picked someone who we thought a lot of women would like. <laughs> but it the rest of it has not been cast like a normal season of The Bachelor. It has been cast to maximize the sort of gross drama that fuels the first half of the season. Um, and that that seems to be, to borrow <laughs> phrase from victoria that seems to be kind of oil and vinegar here <laughs> that's a really good point uh about sort of the casting it, it it does sort of remind you of the older seasons where it was just like a dude that <laughs> various producers are like yeah the women of america can vibe with this yeah it's just <laughs> but, a, just a handsome man those early seasons also at least they said they did which doesn't mean that they did it seems like they actually would make an effort to find a good match right 
whereas now the standard casting procedure is right. you look like you blow up under pressure. <laughs> they cast before they cast the contestants before they cast the bachelor. They're not yeah. they're not doing it based on any sort of matchmaking criteria. I mean, and, they, and maybe they never did, but they pretended to. Sure. You know, if we're gonna bring back an old, old, old bachelor staple, I think we need to bring back the fact that before the rose ceremony, the bachelor, at least in season one, had to like stand in that weird little room with all the framed photos of all the women and just like meditate on their existence. I remember that. Before sending them home, it's like you've got to sit in here and think about what you're about to do to these pictures from 1989. (laughs) Right. Also, if we're bringing back stuff from earlier seasons, make the rose ceremony the last thing we see in the episode. That should be... the tired of mid-episode rose ceremonies. I'm tired of it. I really, there's just no rhythm to it. I really hate it. You I lose hate all it. momentum. That's you know we had a we had a middle of the, there was a rose ceremony after the first hour and I'm like all right well that wrapped up oh my god there's another fucking hour of this show it's it really would it would help a lot if we could get back to it <sighs> Survivor is a tight fucking forty five minutes of television <laughs> that ends on a goddamn tribal meeting <laughs> and it's fucking perfect. <laughs> You clearly want to be Survivor based on this fucking episode, but you're not taking the parts that make Survivor brilliant television. (laughs) Keep going. Keep going. (laughs) Oh, now I'm all riled up. Well, (laughs) to to spare Brian busting an artery or something, we should probably wrap up here. (laughs) Chris Harrison is daddy. Chris Harrison is daddy. Oh, wait, first, um, Laura, where can we find you online? Uh, Twitter at LP Bradley. Great. Brian, where can we find you online? Uh, Twitter at Brian is a goblin. I also got a show called TV and D it's on Twitch and YouTube. Check it out. And I'm Emily P Heller on social media. All right. Chris Harrison is daddy. Bye everybody. <laughs>